feeling overwhelmed by the sheer volume of different cleansing options and wondering what the difference is between them? Let's demystify the various types of K-beauty cleansers and discuss how to find the perfect one for your skin type. Welcome to The Korean Beauty Show, where we're talking all things Korean skincare, makeup, and more. If you want to learn about the hottest trending products and ingredients straight from South Korea, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, we'll be diving in to take a look at the latest trends, as well as all the tips and tricks you need to perfect your K-beauty routine. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, professional K-beauty expert and founder of Korean beauty platform Style Story. Welcome back to another week of the Korean Beauty Show podcast, the show where we talk about all your favorite K-beauty products and the ones you didn't even know existed. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and I am coming to you live from the home of K-beauty, Seoul, South Korea. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Style Story. You can shop the best at K-Beauty online with free domestic shipping available in Australia and free international shipping as well, over $130 US dollars, www.stylestory.com.au. Okay, so today I have a really big breakdown episode planned for you guys where we're going to run through a whole heap of different K-beauty cleansing options and discuss which skin types each one is perfect for, plus some of what I think are the best products in each category. So if you haven't yet found your perfect Korean beauty cleanser, or even if you have, stick around for today's episode because you might be able to pick up something new. For this week's K-Beauty news headlines, I came across an interesting interview by Amore Pacific's luxury brand division head. He's a man by the name of Kim Jong-ha, and he did an interview on the global luxury industry. Now, luxury K-Beauty products are not something that I tend to discuss a lot on the show, and that's just because I find that K-Beauty tends to be, for a lot of people, synonymous with uh, affordability and you know cheap, easy access. And one of the reasons that I thought this was a really interesting piece is because he actually touched on that and what the uh, Amore Pacific brand or or, uh, group, I suppose you could say, and all of the brands underneath them, how they're actually trying to move forward and position themselves. So in the interview, the division head mentioned that the global luxury industries in 2020 posted its first negative growth since 2009, and the market was actually reduced reduced by 23%. So that's quite something. Basically, the luxury luxury industry globally has been trending upwards since 2009. And 2020 was the year that it sort of crashed down to earth a bit, um, being reduced by 23%. And what he was saying was that for Amore Pacific, which if you guys are regular listeners to the show, you will know that Amore Pacific is a huge conglomerate, uh, one of the biggest beauty conglomerates in the world, in fact, not just in Korea. But they are one of Korea's, I would say, top two in terms of uh, size and how much of the market that they capture. And what they were saying was that for their signature brand, Amore Pacific, 
they are they have all of the advantages of a luxury brand and what he sees that as including is that they have access to their own raw materials so things like their uh, plants on Jeju Island where they you know process things themselves how they use those materials they have stories about them and technologies to maximize their effectiveness and his vision for the brand is to actually use that story to develop a new Korean star that's less about cost effectiveness um, and he defined that as being low price compared to good quality and more about highlighting the Korean style in the formula of luxury brands and he thinks that a more Pacific label should focus on providing uh, like a special experience so that's really really interesting because I know that there are a lot of luxury Japanese brands and a lot of them do have these like foundational stories you might have heard the foundation story behind SK2 and their uh, ingredient Pitera, which, you know, if you buy into the marketing hype, was discovered because when they looked at the sake brewer's hands, they realized that their hands were so much younger than the rest of their bodies. And why was this? And their research came out, and, you know, they discovered this new ingredient, rah, 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 rah. So that is kind of the foundational story, I guess, that he's talking about. So Amore Pacific has a lot of different brands under their umbrellas. Um, under their umbrella rather and so I think they wanting to really develop like this luxury end of their business and obviously the price point for the Amore Pacific branded products is definitely quite a bit higher than you know your typical K-beauty products but I think um, that it will be really interesting to see if K-beauty can actually transition out of this you know space where it is synonymous with low price and good quality and see whether they can actually develop some of their own luxury brands. I know for some of the ingredients that they're using, um, depending on the price of the raw materials and ginseng is one of them. So ginseng is a very popular ingredient at the moment, but studies show that if you're using a cheap type of ginseng as the base ingredient, that the results are just not the same as when they're using really high quality ginseng. And obviously it's not possible to buy a really high quality ginseng for a low price. Ginseng is quite expensive. So these are the kind of things that you will tend to see the more luxury brands, the kind of ingredients that you'll see them working with. So a few luxury brands off the top of my head, I mean, Solwasu is one. Um, History of Who is another. That is LG Household and Healthcare's luxury brand. Amore Pacific is obviously one of them. Ohui, there are a couple of different ones, but you will see that they t- do tend to focus particularly around like the hanbang style of ingredients so the um, you know tapping into eastern and traditional uh, techniques I guess in the kind of ingredients that they're using the fermentation processes or how they're developing them so that is a really interesting area I think and I'll be uh, I will be definitely watching and seeing what they're doing in that space because I think that's really Um, it will be probably the next generation, I guess, is Korea actually coming out on the world stage with some of its own luxury brands that are on the same level as, you know, the Western brands and are seen the same way in the market and people are willing to pay for, you know, the kind of technologies that they've been developing. So that's just a bit of an interesting one. I know a lot of people are probably like, I don't want my Korean beauty products to be more expensive. And I don't think that's necessarily where the market is trending, 
But I do think there is space in the market for more of these luxury brands that are using a different class of materials and that people will actually willingly pay for those. So I'm just interested to see sort of how that all goes, whether people notice a difference, I guess, in the really high end of the market with the ingredients that they're using versus at the lower end and how that all sort of plays out. So I just thought that was interesting. So I thought I would run that as this week's news headlines. So let me know if you have any thoughts on that, if you're a fan of the luxury K-beauty brands. I think de- definitely in Australia, people, there's a pro- I've noticed there's a bit of a price ceiling about how much people are willing to pay for K-beauty products. Uh, and the luxury brands don't tend to do as well. But, you know, that might change with... Um, with all of this sort of, you know, more of a focus on the by the companies on how they actually get that story across. I think the luxury brands do very well domestically in Korea and they do tend to do well in Asia, but maybe not so much in the Western countries. And that might just be, you know, a failure in marketing and how they're actually selling it. So, yeah, I'm actually really keen to see what will come of that. All right. Now on to the episode itself. So there are literally so many different types of cleansers in the world of K-beauty, like a shocking amount of different products that I have never seen in the West before I started using Korean beauty products. The first one I'm going to start off with, and you might be a little bit shocked by, is soap. So when we're talking about soap, we're obviously not talking about any old bar of soap lying around your bathroom or your laundry. And those types of soaps can actually be really bad for your skin. As I'm sure a lot of you guys already know, they can cause it to dry out, flake, um, maybe become red and irritated. So the kind of soaps that we're talking about are a different beast. So for a start, they are packed full of ingredients that are designed to improve your skin. And some of them can even be used to get rid of makeup as well as clarifying and tightening your pores. One of the benefits is that they do easily lather up with water. But you can also use them with things like sponges, brushes, loofers, electric cleansing machines to get that deeper, soapier cleanse happening. So I would say there are a whole range of different formulas. Uh, Benton has a soap. JJ Young has their all-in-one soap. Lots of brands seem to be doing them. Um, April B, here's a a fact for you, a bit of trivia. They actually started out. Their brand really took off in Korea because they had this thing called a puzzle soap and what they did is they had all these little different puzzle pieces that had different efficacies for various different skin types and you could essentially put the puzzle pieces together and create your own perfect soap for your face so that is actually how April B got started and if you have a look on their products they have um Uh, the little label so that you can verify the authenticity of their products and you will actually see the little puzzle there. So that is just a bit of a fun fact for you. I would say in general, cleansing soaps do work really well on the oilier skin types, obviously. I think that goes without saying. Uh, But yeah, so soaps are definitely not a write-off, but it's just important to find the right one for you. Now, oil cleansers. This one, I think, when people aren't very familiar with skincare, is really off-putting particularly if you have oily skin because it seemingly makes sense that if you have oily skin and you put oil on top of it it's going to be double the oil right but in fact 
Oilier cleansing formulations are perfect for dissolving makeup, dirt, and any impurities that become lodged in your skin throughout the day. And funnily enough, they're also great for blackhead removal. So that is why they are such an important part of the Korean double uh, two-step routine. And because of the oil factor, I think you need to go into it knowing that you're not going to be just using your oil cleanser you're going to be doing a two-step cleanse you're going to need to wash all of that stuff off and then go in again with um, a second cleanser and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later but oil cleanser is a great product to use for pretty much all skin types but you're not just going to be oil cleansing alone so just keep that in mind as we go through the the contents of today's episode i guess now the next type of are milk cleansers and these are another really gentle and natural way of washing your face and milk cleansers you can think of them similarly to cleansing oils so they're going to be great for that first step of cleansing Uh, milk contains lactic acid and that hydrates your skin and it's also an alpha hydroxic hydroxy acid which works as then a gentle exfoliator so i would say that in general milk cleansers are great for sensitive or dry skins and they are also good for restoring any imbalances caused by harsh soaps and cleansers uh, as well as things like hard water so they can kind of counteract that and using a milk cleanser can actually leave your skin more supple and moisturized so that's a whole category of cleansers that I do think sometimes get um, you know a bit forgotten in the mix but they do exist and that is the benefit of them. Now the next type I think a lot of people are familiar with and that is foam cleansers. So the vast majority of Korean face washes come in the form of foam cleansers but I think they also somewhere along the line got a bad rap uh, and that was because back in the day the types of agents and ingredients that made the cleansers foam up in the first place were considered to be quite harsh and stripping. So these days, there are literally cleansers for every different type of skin and very few of them contain like those harsh surfactants that you know irritate the skin so that is one really important thing to know i have seen korean foam cleansers that contain everything from volcanic clay to baking powder sugar egg whites Um, literally no matter what skin issue you have I guarantee you that there is a Korean foam cleanser that will sort it out Um, they are ideal for deep cleansing however they aren't always great at removing makeup and this is where we come back to our discussion on two steps of cleansing so you know sometimes I'll see reviews and comments on products and say oh you know it just didn't do a great job of cleansing my face and nine times out of ten it's it's in incorrect use is leading to poor results so it's really important to know what type of cleanser you're using how you're using it and how that cleanser is supposed to be used in the first place if you're going in with a foam cleanser trying to get your makeup and sunscreen off some will do it some will but a lot will have less than satisfactory results so that's really important just that you know what kind of cleanser you're using 
Um, I think in general, foam cleansers, there are some for every type of skin. Honestly, there really are. There are lots of formulas that are specifically for acne prone skin. So just make sure when you're checking out your foam cleanser, which skin type is it actually being indicated for? That's an important thing to take into account. Now, the next category is one of my personal favorites, and that is balm cleansers. So cleansing balms is how they're also referred to as, and they have a really soft, buttery, or sometimes even a sorbet-like texture, and it melts into the skin as soon as you apply them to your face. So they go on as a solid balm. Usually you apply them with like a spatula or a spoon. Most companies will give you one of them, and they effortlessly dissolve even the most stubborn like you know waterproof makeup mascara whatever and they do that without stripping your skin of beneficial oils and that is why they are so popular they're really powerful but very gentle and they are all the rage in korea right now uh, so many brands have um, balm cleansers so you will have a buffet, a veritable buffet of options to choose from when it comes to that. Now, the next category used to be really, really popular, and that is cleansing sticks. So you really can't beat cleansing sticks in terms of the convenience factor. And that is because they come in a stick form. They're just fuss free. A lot of them melt away makeup and they leave your face feeling really extra clean. There used to be a product probably five years ago now it was SUN37's rose cleansing stick and that product was a cult favorite people literally fell over each other trying to get their hands on it but the issue was that the company was using real rose petals in the formula and i think they had too many problems with their supply line their productions to try and actually get the roses into the cleansing stick formula so in the end they did away with that but there are still plenty of good cleansing sticks on the market you just need to go looking for them if that's convenience factor you know speaks to you i guess and then another really common type uh, is a cleansing water so you guys probably will have seen these i mean in the west there are a lot of different types of micellar waters so these are really great because you know if you're time poor or maybe even a little bit lazy a lot of them do a lot of different things all in one. So they'll cleanse, some of them even tone, and they can boost your skin as well. Uh, there are some that remove makeup as well. So I don't know that I would rely on a cleansing water every single day, but I think they're a great option if you are at the gym or on the road. They're just a really handy solution. So they are a couple of the many different types of cleansers that you will find in K-Beauty. So just to quickly recap about which of the different types of face what face washes rather and cleansers work better for different skin types. The first one is dry and sensitive skin types. These tend to work best with your cream cleansers, your oil cleansers, your cleansing milks and lotions. Normal and combination skin types pretty much have the pick of the bunch as they can usually use almost anything. They work best with oil cleansers, cleansing foams, uh, your cleansing balms, and even cleansing tissues, although I wouldn't recommend them just because they're terrible for the environment. Uh, and then oily skin types tend to benefit from soaps 
cleansing foams, cleansing oils, cleansing powders, uh, and tissues and wipes. So they are just uh, a few of the many different types. And I will come to some more as we go through the rest of the episode, just because we could be here all day talking about all of the different types of cleansers. I'm also going to run you guys through some of my favorite products for the first and second steps of cleansing as well. So I briefly touched on double cleansing before, and it has been a really important part of the Korean skincare uh, routine for a long time. And that's because it can, it gives you the ability to deeply cleanse your skin without stripping it of the natural oils so it gives you really really clear skin but it keeps it nice and soft and supple and without irritating it which is really important and we've talked about that quite a few times before Uh, cleansing is one of the things that unfortunately can lead to problems down the track if you're using the wrong types of cleansers Uh, so I think yeah double cleansing it's not exclusive to k-beauty but it has become a really important part of it Uh, if you listen all the way back to episode nine I did an entire episode just on the double cleanse so go back and listen to that if you are keen to deep dive into double cleansing and then in the episode where we talked about the Korean celebrities routines as well you will notice that that was a really common theme that nearly all of them start with the double cleanse so with that said so the two steps what are they what you're trying to do is at the first step you're using a product that has an oily base and the focus of this step is to remove all the sticky stuff off your face sebum sunscreen makeup any of the dirt and grime that has accumulated throughout the day you want to get rid of that so you fight oil with oils and that's why we're using an oil based cleanser so this is the step that really does the heavy lifting in your routine in your cleansing routine by dissolving the oils that are naturally present in things like your makeup and your sunscreen and even your skin um, but definitely don't be scared by the thought of using an oil because there are types of products for this step that are for every single skincare concern if you have oily skin, then a product like Dialba Pierre de Mont's Peptide No Sebum Mild Gel Cleanser is a great one to start with. And that has white truffle, which is also really good for your cell renewal and for fresher and younger looking skin. If you have mature skin, Clavoux's Pure Pearlization, that's a bit of a, a bit of a tongue twister, Clavoux Pearl, Pure Pearlization Divine Pearl Cleansing Oil. You guys, I'm going to have the names of all of these products on the show notes for today. They will be available at thekoreanbeautyshow.com. These are a bit of a tongue twister. However, Clavoux's Cleansing Oil is a really nice option for mature skin. It removes oil oil-based impurities very gently and effectively. It has a vanilla and macadamia scent, which uh, is quite therapeutic. uh, And it's also formulated around three naturally derived oils. So a macadamia seed oil, jojoba seed oil, and safflower. And they 
work together to not only deeply cleanse, but also nourish dry skin, which is good to do at the first step of cleansing. Uh, and it also contains pearl extract as well, which is, of course, Clavu's brand concept. Uh, if you have uh, wide pores and congested skin, April B's Blackout Cleansing Oil is a great option. It is infused with natural botanicals and a very small amount of salicylic acid to help remove impurities and protect easily sensitized skin. So that's a good option for you. Um, it, for all the other types of skin, Bare Skin Balm, Suvi's Bare Skin Balm is a great option. Uh, that combines antioxidant-rich Australian lemon myrtle leaf and sea buckthorn oil, which gives it this beautiful rich colour. And it melts away oil-based impurities while also nourishing the skin with antioxidants, fatty acids and vitamin E. So that is a nice formula for all skin types because it's free from alcohol, uh, silicones, mineral oil, synthetic fragrances, synthetic colors, uh, sulfate detergents, a whole range of different things. So that is a great all-rounder for pretty much every other skin type. Then we come to the second step of cleansing. And you might say, well, why do we need two steps? Like, it sounds like the oil cleanser did a pretty good job of removing everything, and that is true. However, there will still be some residue left over from the first step of your cleansing. And this water-based foam or cream cleanser step is to follow up and get rid of anything else that's left over. Uh, so that's why we do it. Um, and a lot of people don't do the sec don't do the two steps again in the morning. They may just do their foam cleanser in the morning rather than do their you know cleansing balm and then their cleansing foam. And that's because for a lot of people that you know that maybe if they're not particularly on the oily side, well, if they've just gone to sleep overnight, they haven't really done anything that requires two steps of cleansing. Now, some people do two steps every single day. This is really a matter of whatever works for you. I personally don't cleanse at all in the morning and that is because my skin is very dry and very sensitive and the little natural oils that I do have in the skin, I want to keep them there. So I do all of my cleansing at night, then I lather myself up overnight and in the morning I just go in with uh, a toner, a really, really hydrating toner and use a cotton pad and that is instead of cleansing. So that's what I personally do. But, you know, some people love going in with a two-step. It really depends. It's totally up to you. So for your two-step cleanse, the second step, your water-based or cream cleanser, what should you be using? So for acne-prone skin, I think COSRX's salicylic acid daily gentle cleanser is a great option to help reduce breakouts um, and promote clear skin. And that is because it contains both salicylic acid and tea tree oil. So it can cleanse and exfoliate as well. So I would say that that is a good option for people with blemishes, people who are really oily, um, and people with blackheads, whiteheads, and those kind of impurities. Um, if you know that you use a whole lot of acids at the later steps of your routine, this one might be one to skip, but patch test and just work it out. If you have large pores, oily skin, or combination skin, JJ Young's Black Cleansing Stick is a really good option. It is pH 5.6 balanced, and it contains things like charcoal and volcanic ash, which uh, remove congestion without causing irritation, which is why that is a great option. 
If you tend to have a lot of redness in your skin, then COSRX's new advanced snail mucin power gel cleanser is a good option for you. This one helps to remove impurities without stripping the skin and protecting its barrier. So it basically aims to moisturize um, and restore your skin for a smoother complexion. And now I will warn you, this has that stretchy elastic texture of snail mucin products. So if that is not your jam, this might be one to skip. But if it is, then this is a good one for you to try out. Now, if you have sensitive skin, April B's sensitive micro cleansing foam is really effective at removing, you know, any residue, but very nice and calmly. Uh, it's enriched with Centella Asiatica. So that is a really, really good uh, gentle option. It's a gel texture. If you don't like gel textures, but do want a different option for sensitive skin with Centella Asiatica, iUnique has a Centella bubble cleansing foam, and this has micro bubbles that do help to to keep the skin, the moisture in the skin. And that one, basically, when you pump it out of the container, it's already foamed up. So that's a really nice gentle option and a good one for people that don't like a gel texture. And I think the last one I have on my list for all the other skin types, try a powder-based cleanser. Now, powder-based cleansers, you will know I have been a fan of them for a very long time. And that is because they do the work of several products in one and they're so versatile. You can totally choose the, um, I guess, the grit and texture of your cleanse with a powder. And Subi has an extremely fine powder, very, very fine. Uh, I think it's certainly a lot finer than others I've, I've tried. So I've tried SRB's um, cleanser. I've tried obviously Tosawong Enzyme Powder Wash, which is a long-term love of mine. What else have I tried? I've tried a lot of different types and this one is really, really finely ground powder. It's not scented at all, not tested on animals. It has a low pH between 5.8 to 6.8, uh, no surfactants or sulfate detergents. Uh, so in general, I find that the benefit of powder washes is that a little goes a long way. So they end up being better value for money than liquid cleansers. Uh, you are adding the water yourself. So the products tend to have a longer shelf life. Um, I just love them. I absolutely love them. I recommend powder cleansers to everyone. They are literally the best thing since sliced bread and that's saying something because I like my bread. So another thing I really want to just mention since we are talking about second cleansers is pH levels. So I know we've spoken about this before, but if a face wash is not pH balanced and you are prone to sensitivities, weakness and skin damage, then you can weaken the structure of your skin's acid mantle by using something that is too basic. So pH 5.5 is considered to be balanced and anything up to about a 7 is considered to be low pH. If it's lower than 5.5 then it's acidic and then if it's higher than 7 it's basic. And so your acids, your skincare acids are all really uh, acidic obviously so they tend to be at pH levels of around like 3, maybe 4, 4.5. So cleanses that are testing at the pH scale on like a 10, that's really, really basic in chemistry. So that can be a problem for people whose skin is more on the delicate side. 
So just something to look out for if you know you fall into that category. I myself religiously check the pH of my face washes just because I know uh, I'm prone to all sorts of troubles if I start off with uh, the wrong cleansers. So that is one thing that is really, really important if you also have a similar skin type to me. So just keep that in mind. If you have, you know, skin that's as healthy as an ox and you never have problems, you can probably afford to go a little bit more basic, a little higher on the pH scale. Uh, again, I think this is just a matter of testing it out and seeing what your skin likes and doesn't like. So that was a whole lot of information today, a whole lot of information to download and process, but I hope you were able to find something in the last half an hour that was maybe news to you or of interest to you or something that you want to have a look into a little more. Um, if you did, then that is amazing. I'm super happy for you and I would love it if you could please, pretty please, leave a review for the podcast. Uh, if you could share your thoughts, that would be so amazing to help other people find us and, you know, figure out what the podcast is all about. That would be brilliant. Uh, that is all I had for this week's episode. So I will finish up here. And until next time, I will see you on Style Story. Bye.